Hello, and welcome to the latest episode of the Dialogue Out Loud series. I'm Taylor Petrie, editor of Dialogue, a Journal of Mormon Thought. Today, we're excited to have with us Kristen Blair, a practical theologian interested in theopoetics, environmental theologies, and theologies of care. She's studying theology at the University of Toronto, where she lives with her family. In her fascinating article, Free to Act for Themselves, Howard Thurman and Latter-day Saint Agency, Blair introduces many LDS readers to Black theologian Howard Thurman, whose 1949 book, Jesus and the Disinherited, among others, inspired a generation of Christian civil rights activists, including Martin Luther King. This article explores his concept of agency and suggests that his theorization of agency might assist Latter-day Saint thinkers in their own efforts to work out some of the murky details of this teaching. Kristen, welcome. It's so nice to talk to you about your work. Thank you so much for having me. So first of all, this is a really interesting work of LDS theology. Can you lay out the concept of agency as it has developed in LDS thought and some of the debates of the tradition that you're seeing? Again, that's a huge question, but what, you know, what, what is the, what is the, the general LDS teaching and what are some of the conflicts that you uh, point out here in that teaching? Yeah, big question. And of course, Agency is so huge. That's why I'm so interested in this, because agency is a huge deal for us as Latter-day Saints. Uh, so what I trace in the article is um, the, the, really the most common conception of agency, which is born out of Lehi, I think. <laughs> born out of Lehi's uh, statement, as we have it in the Book of Mormon, that we're free to choose for ourselves, between good and evil. So we have a whole tradition of, uh, of thought kind of on, on that idea and um, specifically mm, linking agency to obedience. So you're free to, you're free to choose for yourself um, and you're free to choose your consequences, basically. So, so if you are obedient to kind of these laws as we know them, then um, you can use your agency in productive ways. And if you don't use your agency in productive ways, then you're kind of choosing, you're, you're writing your way to damnation. So it's sort of a, sort of a thing. So we have thinkers like, um, Bruce R. McConkie is, is probably the most famous and the most well-known, um, in terms of shaping that sort of idea. But then there's a lot of debate within Mormon scholarship, um, about what agency means and is, is there a necessary dichotomy between agency and obedience? Can you be a free agent and be obedient? So you have thinkers like Terry Warner who says, no, you can absolutely, obedience and agency don't have to be, you know, these um, these disparate ideas. Um, and then, of course, you have thinkers like Terrell Givens who kind of troubles those waters in, in different ways. But what I'm interested in is uh, the fact that this, all of this um, scholarly discussion is, is pretty removed from what your average, what the lay person is is thinking about and encountering in terms of what agency means and i think that the average person uh the average latter-day saint it has a concept of agency that's probably most in line with um makaki's vision um which is you you can use your agency well or you can use your agency so agency is about the choices of the actions that we might undertake in life. You know, I can choose to do good or choose to do evil in any given situation. And that sort of is the dominant uh, perspective that that you're seeing. Is that is that an accurate summary? Sure. I think that's really helpful. Yes. That agency is about choices yeah. about, and right or wrong choices specifically. So there's there's a 
there's a moral element here. So you see Howard Thurman is offering some insights into this question and perhaps an alternative uh, perspective on it. Can you tell us a little bit more about him as a person than what I sketched out before? Are there some other details that you think are relevant? Sure. Well, a really fascinating person. Uh, so, so like you said, he's writing during a very tumultuous time. Um, he taught at Boston University for and NBU now kind of claims him, but he he left the institution um, because of racism ultimately. Uh, and he his first his first wife um, died quite tragically and uh, left him with a daughter. And he, he his anyway his life is is really interesting. He's both in the academic world, but also always kind of an outsider there. And um, his position as a black man tra- entering these worlds, the, the theological world, which is dominated by white men, particularly in this time, um, is is really marked by kind of that transitional or, you know, he's kind of in this liminal space of uh, et cetera, and, and very much an outsider. And so he feels that acutely and he, he um, received advice early on to not directly uh, address race in his writing, but to kind of uh, come at it indirectly, which he followed that advice by and large, although um, Luminous Darkness and um, see, a couple of his other books do do really directly address race, but still from, from kind of a mystical angle, which is uh, different than some, some of his contemporaries for sure. But um, yeah, Let's see. <laughs> Anything else? Particularly, he he's considered uh, a mystic theologian, just um, uh, kind of different in the Christian tradition, and so his writing uh, is not traditionally academic or scholarly. It's um, theopoetic. It invites the reader to a different a different. So uh, maybe as a result, or or, or as a, 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 a you know, I guess the the best the best way of saying it is as uh, I was reading your article and you're sort of unpacking many of the kind of mystical terms that he's using and the sort of visions of the interior sea and you know some a lot of this kind of technical terminology here the nerve center of consent you know that he's sort of developing. Um, these are, uh, maybe more detail than we want to get into and in the purpose of our discussion here, but how would you summarize, uh, and we'll get into more into his mysticism in a second, but how would you summarize his approach to agency that might differ from, uh, that, that view of agency as a set of choices that you make? And why do you think he has a different perspective on it? Yeah, that's a great question. So he does not use the language of agency specifically. I'm teasing out the the language that he does use that I think is uh, really ultimately about agency, but the language he uses, which you already mentioned, is um, the nerve center of consent. He uses the language of submission, which is a little bit tricky for um, some of us contemporary (laughs) uh, Christian readers. Um, So he he's approaching this from a perspective like like we've already talked about a, a black man living in segregated america uh so he absolutely well knows that freedom is constraints uh so to think about agency in a context where 
you're not free. You don't, you're not free in terms of your social location. You're not free in terms of um, your geographic location, in terms of your history, in terms of your, um, all of these things. He, he's very aware of constraints on freedom, especially in, in these kind of social ways that they understand that. So when he's talking about freedom, he's talking about something very different from the ability to make choices about your life uh, because he's denied um, the ability to make specific choices about his life, right? vocationally and in other ways. And the people in his many of his communities, the people that he preaches to, the people um, that are he's especially concerned with the civil rights movement, their, their choices, their freedom is specifically deliberately and systemically constrained. So the freedom that he's talking about is um, a spiritual freedom. So he has this really beautiful meditation um, slash sermon <laughs> that he talks about, the ner- where he talks about this nerve center of consent, which is the language I'm tracking to talk about agency, um, that he says, look, the nerve center of consent is guarded by an archangel with a flaming sword and no one can touch it. This so I'm reading this out of this very somatic center that is um, in in some ways. Mm, I mean, he he says untouchable, and I'm going to just say it's it's the only thing that uh, is you. So so we might use the language of spirit, where um, maybe soul uh, would sort of approach what he's talking about. But what he's getting at is this idea that you there's a relationship that you could have with um with deity or with divine with with spirit and that relationship that ability to tap into the to, to spirit that is freedom and everybody has access to this to this freedom despite constraints to uh freedom in terms of kind of social yeah yeah so this idea of freedom that we have that it's based around acts and our choices to live freely in the world is sort of an illusion that he's saying look maybe some people have that but really they don't even have it either uh because we're all constrained right and and he he knows this from his own lived experience but he still suggests that there's something that's sort of interior to the self where a kind of ultimate agency lies that is um, that is not about how to act in the world, but how to orient oneself in the world. Maybe so, something along those lines. Does that? Yeah, and that and that is an elucidating force. Like there's something about it that is enlivening. So so Thurman's conception of God is life. So there's something about this this thing that we have access to that that taps us into life. It it wakes us up. It allows us to see the world differently, clarifies, calls us to whatever it is that's life-giving, life-altering, transformational. Um, it's like our our spirits turning to the sun <laughs> is maybe how I would put it. So you say that one of the key questions that he asks himself, that he's asking his readers to, to look at is, what am I for? Uh, what, what's the significance of that question here and, and how does it sort of map on to your uh, teasing out of his ideas of agency? Sure. 
That's a great question. So, so yeah, he asks us to go beyond. So when thinking about who we are as people, we are tempted to kind of, or, or we're persuaded to think in terms of, oh, well, I am, I am the way I am because, you know, my mother was this way and her mother was this way. And, uh, this thing happened to me at school. So, you know, these, these things have all combined to make who I am. And he says, disregard that, which, which of course is, is very challenging again for, for us Western thinkers. That's a, a challenging idea to say, disregard these, these things that have shaped us, um, and go deeper and, uh, ask yourself, what am I for? And this question he thinks is, can try to get us toward this nerve center of consent that he's talking about. It can try to get us toward that thing that, um, I think he would say pre-exists any of our kind of material reality, um, and that, and that also, um, exists beyond it. So he's trying to get us to ask what, what could I put myself behind so fully that submitting to it wouldn't be submitting. It would be, uh, like I, I, I could relax into it. It could be fully me. It could be, um, kind of the ultimate, an ultimate act of love. So he's, he's saying as you, as you do that work of figuring out what you're, what you're really for, and you're kind of pulling aside these layers of, well, I'm, I think I'm for this political party, but like, why? What's, what's behind that? That's making me, uh, for that, you know, well, okay, well, I'm, I think that we should treat everybody kindly. Well, why? You know, he's just trying to get us to go deeper to try to understand who am I and what can I really get behind? And that's his idea of submission, which is you just op- opening the self completely to this, this force of light, this spirit that, that can illuminate our, our world and our yeah, so so maybe expand on that. You 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 talk about this as a form of submission, and you've mentioned the the uh, philosophical issues that others have raised about uh, the tensions between submission and agency. How do you see them as being compatible or working together in Thurman's thought here? Yeah, another great question. Um, I think this is this is one of the key ideas to Thurman that is so fascinating and so. Um, presents a challenge again for us to think differently about things. Um, so I think for Thurman, uh, he, he does really believe it's spiritual discipline. Uh, and he has like several books about spiritual discipline and he really thinks that we need to be disciplined. We need to, um, which in some ways seems really incompatible with some of his other ideas. Um, but ultimately what he's after is, is saying only by, um, only by kind of schooling your mind. So, and this this is Easter. This this makes us start thinking of, of Eastern tradition and Eastern um, Eastern spiritual traditions. Um, by schooling your mind, that's how you can open your mind. That's how you can kind of get beyond uh, ways that you're trained to think, ways that your um, your mm, your agency and limit or your choices are circumscribed uh, in order to arrive at kind of a, a a deeper sense of of being in order to arrive at life um so submission is not 
for him, it's not this sense of there's a higher authority than me and I'm afraid of punishment. So I need to uh, circumvent my will in order to like appease this this religious mandate that I perceive to be all-encompassing. Rather, submission for him is this sense of do the work of figuring out who you are. And part of that is spiritual discipline, like schooling your spirit, schooling your mind to be able to be in tune with that. And, and insofar as you're able to do that, you're going to find what you're for and which might be surprising even to you. And, and as you do that, you're going to be able to lay that all on the altar. So he, this, this image of, of altar is big for him. You're going to be able to lay that all on the altar um, and, and open up this nerve center of consent to, to this, to God, to uh, life. And that act of submission is the ultimate freedom because it's the ultimate knowing of the self. It's the ultimate um, understanding of, of who we are and what matters to us and, um, and how that is life. So for him, he tracks African he tracks African Americans singing spirituals in in the cotton fields. Like he's he's looking at how how slaves, enslaved people were were practicing methods of of freedom by by these practices of, of opening yourself up. So you sometimes have, have uh, called this in, in our earlier in our conversation, we've discussed this, that you see this as a mystical encounter and you see Thurman as, as engaging in mysticism. Can you explain like why you're why, why you use that term and how, how it relates to this? Uh, sure. So partially methodology, uh, Thurman is not a um, he's not a theologian in the sense uh, that he can't be typically categorized as you know, like to be constructive or systematic theology or whatever. He, um, his method is much more, uh, poetic, um, and um, in some ways like literary, but also because of what he is inviting the reader to do, he's not structuring, maybe he's not structuring an argument, um, and say, you know, here's, here's the dogmas, here's the, here's what, um, the religious texts tell us, and here's how we should, uh, understand and interpret them. He's he is inviting us into transformational experience, um, and so his and his this practice is um, considered mysticism in kind of the street of Christian thought because of the way that it it invites the reader into like contemplative um, spiritual practice um, to open one up to personal religious personal spiritual experience. So how do you see this as a corrective to LDS concepts of agency? We can sort of come back to the beginnings of, of our conversation. Of, you, you see some something insufficient in the way that Latter-day Saints have typically thought about it. And uh, and this is offering maybe a, a different perspective. What what do you kind of see as the benefit for thinking about agency in, in the way that Thurman does? Sure. Well, I think that there's a lot of discussion about um the ways in which latter latter-day state agency is um limited and i think those are really important discussions and 
I think that Thurman invites us to think about how practices of submission, practices of um, laying on the altar can also be acts of agency that, that can be understood in a lens of self-realization um, versus self-sacrifice. Uh, so I think I think the former or the latter self-sacrifice falls into this, this line that we've talked about um, of kind of a typical model of agency that your, your choices, um, whether you choose to be obedient and therefore um, obtains salvation or choose to be disobedient and, you know, pile damnation upon your head, that this kind of alternative model says, you, you got to do the work of figuring out what you're really for. And, and if you do that work and you feel like, yeah, I, I'm really for this, I'm all in, and I really feel like this religious mandate tells me X, then then there's there's something to that 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 needs to be uh, have a place in theological discussion. And if not, and you arrive somewhere different, there also needs to be a place for for understanding how this is also an act of agency that um, is productive and life giving. So this is uh, uh, my my last question on this. I have so many, but I'll try to contain myself here. It seems that um, that there are, uh, though, though you categorize him as a mystical theologian, that there are some resonances with like American transcendentalism and existentialism, as well as kind of a part of this sort of focus on the self as the key point of uh, of analysis. Do you see those continuities there with his thought and some of that broader intellectual tradition? Yes, I do. Um, and I think that it's very Western to to prioritize the self, right? That this comes out of the Enlightenment, and it's certainly part of an American tradition of uh, prioritizing the self as the locus of religious encounter, the locus of spiritual encounter, um, which I think is productive in a lot of ways. Uh, again, because it's coming out of this wide tradition, and it's it's tracking what's happening in, in Christian tradition. And I, I'll also say, I think that there are maybe maybe a, a, a next paper <laughs> would be problematizing, right? This this um, focus on the self uh, and and introducing some other comparative um, religious and um, theological ideas from other traditions that prioritize the self much less, and that invite us to think about um, mysticism and and um, spiritual encounters without that very Western and very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like siloed idea of, of an, of an individual as well as we capture and, and advice, uh, see boundaries as much more porous than, than we tend to. That said, I think that, um, Thurman's focus on the self, um, is really a starting point that he's, he's, inviting us to begin by really going deep within but his the ultimate goal for Thurman is connection across um a lot of boundaries so so I think I think he would maybe say this is the this is the starting point and this is what we're trying to do is think about the individual um as like the locus of religious experience but but let's go far beyond that and allow this as we open ourselves, uh, we we can hopefully overcome some of the the artificial boundaries. 
That's super helpful. Thank you so much. And I really appreciate you joining us today, Kristen. It's a huge pleasure to get to talk to you about your research and to uh, hear a little bit more about Howard Thurman and to think through some of these deep issues here. We hope that our listeners have enjoyed the conversation and have learned something new. If you'd like to learn more, check out Kristen Blair, Free to Act for Themselves, Howard Thurman and Latter-day Saint Agency in the fall 2023 issue of Dialogue and explore other resources on this topic there as well. To our listeners, thank you for joining us today. If you've enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends and colleagues, and don't forget to leave us a review or get in touch with any comments or questions. We hope that, you tr- we hope that you'll tune in for future episodes of the podcast. Please subscribe and uh, be sure to check out the whole range of shows in the Dialogue Podcast Network. Thanks. Greetings, my name is Rebecca Deschweinitz and I'm thrilled to serve as a board member at the Dialogue Foundation and as one of the hosts of Dialogue Gospel Study. In each episode, which we record live the second and fourth Sunday of every month, we welcome esteemed speakers from a variety of backgrounds to share their insights and perspectives on the Come Follow Me lessons. Our aim is to spark meaningful conversations about the scriptures, to connect them to our personal experiences and to our understandings and explorations of the gospel. To stay in the loop with our upcoming lessons and this opportunity to engage with Mormon thought, culture, and belief, be sure to visit DialogueJournal.com and sign up for our newsletter. By doing so, you'll receive updates and timely links to join our live stream lessons. Additionally, you can catch up on our past guests and episodes by subscribing to Dialogue Journal on YouTube, Facebook, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Dialogue Podcast Network.